HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's September 9th, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Tonight, our show is called Vermont Beer and, and What's the Next Heady Topper. So, Dave Roderick's down from Vermont. It's always a good time. Hey, Jimmy. Good to see you, Dave. Good to see you, too. Good to be here. So, how's it going at the Worthy, Worthy Kitchen? It's good. We just had our anniversaries for both places. They're a day apart. Two years for Worthy Bigger, one year for Worthy Kitchen. It's like an Irish twin, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. We do things on the same days. That's yeah. good. Yeah, no, it's been good. That's like today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's September 9th, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Tonight, our show is called Vermont Beer and, and What's the Next Heady Topper. So, Dave Roderick's down from Vermont. It's always a good time. Hey, Jimmy. Good to see you, Dave. Good to see you, too. Good to be here. So, how's it going at the Worthy, Worthy Kitchen? It's good. We just had our anniversaries for both places. They're a day apart. Two years for Worthy Bigger, one year for Worthy Kitchen. It's like an Irish twin, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. We do things on the same days. That's yeah. good. Yeah, it, no, it's it, been good. That's like the rhythm of life in Vermont, right? It is. August is a good time to do stuff in Vermont. Well, you've been up there now for a few years, and you had Worthy Burger and Worthy Kitchen, but you're really pretty much meshed in, in the Vermont beer scene. And I know that later we have Sean Lawson calling in from, from Lawson's Finest, but tell us about some of the things that happened this summer, like the Vermont uh, the Brewers Fest. 
Yeah, the Brewers Fest was great this year. It was a little different. Um, it seemed Worthy Burger was there. We were slinging burgers, so we got to sort of see what the crowd was like. And it's definitely changing. It's becoming more mainstream, less beer geeky. And um, so that was kind of cool. A lot more women, which was great. Um, a lot more women dressed really well, yep. which was um, really surprising. All the guys, and, and, uh, they got Augie Cotton. Yeah, Augie, Augie wasn't there, and, and uh, no, Adam Goldfarb and, from uh, First We Feast. They're here too. Everyone's yeah. smiling. As soon as you said women dress well, I know it's it was it was kind of a shock. But anyway, it was it was great. There were some new breweries. Uh, four Quarters is a new small four barrel brewery in Winooski, uh, Vermont, and um, Jack's Abbey was there uh, for the first time. Sam, um, one of the brothers, and uh, you know then the you know the the usual. There were a lot of uh, Montreal breweries. Which this year, it, it's interesting to see what the mainstream people gravitate towards. Because um, normally the Montreal breweries have huge lines. And this year, all the lines were the usual suspects, Lawson, um, Hill Farmstead, and, and uh, Alchemist. And not so much. If you didn't have a hoppy beer, like a super hoppy beer, you didn't have a line. And so um, so it seems like the mainstream is still kind of in that mode. It's like mainstream. Yeah, they're not, they're not totally into the sours yet. They're not into kind of the more you know experimental stuff so so that was kind of interesting um but it made it great because you could just I, like jack's abbey not never had a line you could just go right up and on. get a beer whenever you wanted <laughs> and um and same with four quarters you know he just it, you know he's just not known yet so it was it was kind of interesting a little different augie have you been up to vermont not not as far as worthy but yeah, he was supposed to i was close i was close um, it's funny, actually, one of my favorite moments from last year in Stratton, I was on the gondola, and there was a sticker at the top that said, Don't Jersey Up Vermont. <laughs> and it's too being late. Jersey and being in Vermont, I very much appreciated it. But I think you've still got it right if you can get to Jack's Abbey without a line. I think that's, yeah. that's the right party to be at. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. But there's something special about Vermont. I mean, it's a small state. It's like kind of perfect in people's imagination, from maple syrup to the snow. Uh, and now there's these culty beers that we're going to talk about. I mean, you, you name them, you carry them at, at Worthy Burger and Worthy Kitchen. What, what are the top beers in Vermont right now? Um, you know, I, I can sort of work my way around the state geographically. Um, uh, you know, you, you can start at Hill Farmstead, and then you go over to Lost Nation, Alchemist, um, Zero Gravity in Burlington, um, Fiddlehead. Foley Brothers down um, in sort of in Brandon. Um, I would say those are you know obviously Lawson uh, in the right in the middle. Um, those are the main ones, and and it's great because people are definitely when they come into the restaurants now they want something from Vermont. They don't want something that they can get down in New York or Boston. They want something or or New England. You know if they can't get something that they really if they don't see a style they like from Vermont, they'll settle for New England, which I think is. Uh, which is good. So they'll they'll go for Jack's Abbey or a Mystic or or whatever, um, and that's basically what we're doing now with our list. Just because that's what you know we put stone on and in the beginning, and and now it's harder to move those beers because they want really something from the area, and so uh, so that's our focus, and that's that's basically all our lists are either Vermont or New England. But um, so you know I make a beer I identify as an East Coast double, but. If there's a terroir to those super hoppy beers, there is kind of what could be defined as San Diego and Vermont, right? Like, Definitely. granted, I think I make mine a little differently than they make theirs and vice versa, but 
it makes sense for Vermont to want their flavor. Right? They're, they're, and to be fair, I often make the joke that all the great IPAs smell a little bit like weed, and Vermont and San Diego killing things that smell like weed might or might not make sense. That could just be the air, too. I'm just saying, the breweries. But, but that would make sense, right? If you're there and you're doing that, like when I'm done skiing and I open a heady, it makes sense, right? It just right. It works. You want to drink what's made yeah, it works. close by. And uh, I mean, if you're you know if you're going into wine country, you want to drink the local wine, and, <laughs> and um, so yeah, no, I, I think it makes total sense. And I, I, you know, we're not surprised. We're glad that people are thinking that way, yeah, no, and I, that they recognize some of these. You know, like Lost Nation isn't as well known, but people are definitely into it when they come to the state. They they seek those guys out, and all these guys have tasting rooms now, which really help raise their profile. And then there's a lot of things going on. So you introduced me to Kurt, the president of the Vermont. Kurt Statter, yep. And he has a new book out. Yep. Um, History of Vermont Beer. I just finished it, actually, uh, yesterday. And uh, it's great. It gives you a real rundown, uh, uh, you know, starting back in, like, 1780s, 1790s, the whole brewing scene. Vermont actually went through a whole period where there was no, they were prohibition way before everybody else. Starting in 1852, um, you could not... It was, Prohibition started there in 1852, so you know you could. There were actually breweries, but they had to export everything. Say that again, Dave. <laughs> I just I just heard what you were saying. 1852, they banned the drinking of alcoholic products in Vermont. Even so, cider. Even cider. So uh, yeah, that was like a. Huge, what happened if you got caught making cider or beer? They, it wasn't always enforced. I mean, clearly there was a lot of cider being made and drunk. But anyway, it was on the books. Tarred and feathered. And, yeah. Things like that. And so, uh, yeah, and I never knew that. And, and so there, there was a real sort of temperance culture, um, pro-temperance culture in Vermont for a very long time. So we had no beer scene up until when, you know, Greg Noonan started the first brew pub, uh, Vermont Pub and Brewery, in 1988. Um, we had just a, almost no beer scene, you know, especially craft beer scene. So... Uh, that's I had no idea that was true. That's yeah, it's, it's well done since '88. Right, they, they made up for it really quick. They're definitely running. We always joke like Vermont, you know, it's so still like 1800s, and you know we fell so far behind that now we're ahead. So, uh, and it, that's definitely the case with beer. Now, and we're going to have a Kurt on a show sometime this fall, and I, I want to read the book and, and all that. But like, what's the next heady topper? You were joking about it before because you said that Alchemist. Is They're building a replica brewery in Stowe. I think it's it's basically the same size as the current brewery um, in Waterbury, and they're going to make all their other beers. So they may make the next any top because I, I like <laughs> I think John, some of John's other beers are just as good um, as Heady Topper. So yeah, I like Focal Banger better. Yeah, yeah. A I lot know. of people like you know I like Heady, and uh, I mean I always thought his sour, the Petite Mutant that sour when he barrel aged it that's just incredible that beer. Was, that was phenomenal. Yeah. But that, but that's I'll bring it to our next better. point. So, no. what's the next heavy topper? So, Adam Aaron. Goldfarb, Aaron. Sorry, man, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Goldfarb. A new name. I can't. I don't read. Uh, <laughs> you wrote an article in First Few Feet. So, what, what's what's the next heavy topper? And the funny thing is, we walked in and Dave said the next heavy topper is something that Alchemist is going to make. But you did a whole different article. Yeah, I think my point was trying to be, you know, there's a, a next heady topper wherever you live. So I only focused on the Northeast, but I think I did every single state except New Hampshire. And, you know, wherever you live, there's a great uh, new hot IPA that you can have. So, you know, heady topper is great, and everything from Hill Farmstead and Lessons Finest is great, too. But you can also 
go to Augie's place and buy them out of cans. Well, I'm going I'm to interject here, because <laughs> what I liked about your article, what a bunch of people attacked me about the likeness or non-likeness to Hetty was, it just said, if you can't get Hetty, try these. And since... Yeah, I never said they tasted yeah, similar. Since, I, since I'm a huge fan of everything you put on that list, and like I said, I'm, we're lucky, as, as has already been discussed, our part of New Jersey and Vermont are almost commuter towns for nine months of the year, right? Everybody goes up there to ski <clears throat> or do whatever they do. So we're... These beers that nobody in the world can get walk in our brewery all the time. Like, there's always Hetty, there's always Lawson's, there's always Hill Farmstead. We're very lucky. So... I get to drink them a ton, and all the other ones you mentioned. Fiddlehead was in your list. Uh, Michael Kane, who's a neighbor of mine in Jersey, was on your list. There's, you know, a couple from Connecticut, too, right? Yeah, uh, that's Fuzzy Ducks from... Fuzzy uh, Ducks, which is awesome. But I don't think any of these switch for each uh, other except for... Fire Standard. I want something crazy. Sure, yeah. Uh, Rushing Mm -hmm. Duck, War Elephant, uh, Barrier, uh, Daddy Warbucks. I'd say Money, too, a great APA. I mean, I was just trying to say, amazing, dude. you know, <laughs> you don't have to, you know, trade for these 90 day old cans of Hetty Topper and then complain it's not as good as you <laughs> thought when you can, you know, if you want to stand in a the line, there's plenty of other breweries within 50 miles of where you live that are making great stuff. The Bissell Brothers have some great stuff in Portland, you know. Pretty much, I could have done fifty states worth of heady toppers. Treehouse is pretty good. I like their no stuff. And Julius for sure. Yeah, Julius is great. So, so you're just a self-described beer geek. Sure. I'm checking out on first we feast. You know, some of the articles you've written. I can't grow a full beard, or I would. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. It wouldn't be red anyway. So it's useless. Right. <laughs> what are some of the articles that you've written? Um, I think one of the things uh, I most famously wrote. I wrote the uh, Jim Cook from. Boston Beer Company taught me how to uh, drink all night and not get drunk. Oh, I read that. that I was, remember that. That kind of went that viral. That's good. Yeah. A lot of people stole it and kind of repurposed it without yeah. credit, which uh, is well, the way. I mean, I mean, what's I the secret to that? that the, uh, the secret is he uh, he swallows uh, Fleischmann yeast before he drinks. Yeah, I totally I remember know. that. I was like, does that really work? He might have pranked me into doing it twice, but uh, I'm on board <laughs> as believing it, it works. Uh, you know. It, so you do, do you still do that? Like when you go drink with Augie? No, I don't do that because I'm lazy but, and I like to get drunk. And I, you know, I just <laughs> that ha- is the point. I just have to wake up and write. I don't have to wake up and do a real job. So uh, I don't mind having a hangover occasionally. But I think it does work, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what, tell me some more articles you're writing. I'm going to start so, reading your stuff. Uh, well, today I had on First We Feast uh, uh, what will happen if you, uh, you know, what you can expect dating a beer geek, you know. My friends who are beer geeks, anytime they uh, start dating a nice girl, my uh, my now wife always goes, "Oh, geez, that girl doesn't know what she's in for." <laughs> you know, so that's a lot of you know you're going to be sitting in dark bars when you're in a, a beautiful city like San Diego or even Paris. You know, we went to Paris for my honeymoon, and my wife surely thought, "Oh, there can't be beer there." Nope. Almost immediately, we were sitting in a dark bar drinking beer. One of my wife's happiest days was when you moved to a place with windows. <laughs> when the blind tiger went out of a basement into a place with windows. Yeah, that was a big Sunday day for my wife, too. I'd say Sunday afternoons at 11, she'd be like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And then when there were windows, she's like, let's definitely go down there. Can we get the table See, by the window? It smelled a lot better. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to drink in a dark windowless room in the middle of the day? Dude, I did for years. Yeah, Especially in years. the summer. <laughs> I know I a guess. place called Jimmy's Number Forty Three in the East. Yeah, it's about as dark as it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, below ground a little. I've like, been there on a Sunday morning at ten, and that is definitely that's good drinking. 
Yeah. Jimmy's on a Sunday morning early before they open. It's like what the tunes. Oh seven seven. So what did you bring? Wait, wait. This You're is talking about what? You know what? 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 This our is heady co- topper. This is coffee, isn't it? This, so this is our anniversary beer. This is called 2014 uh, SS2014. The joke is, every now and then we get an idea for something that works like boat but bigger. So it's double boat. It's eight point four rather than four point two. Um, this one is only f- eight point two because the coffee edition takes it down a little. Okay. Really? But um, so we made a beer early in the year called Regular Coffee, and I did that too. I remember that you brought that on the show. Yeah. I just lost my mic. That's all right. Uh, I can hear you. Okay. Anyway, um, so I did that teamed up with a coffee roaster in our neighborhood, and I was looking for a good version of a bitter acidic like a diner coffee. So he gave me like eight to start with, and in them was this, which was called Yergeshif, which was shockingly tasted just like lemons. So it didn't work for that beer, but it was cool. So later on, we're tasting these lemon drop hops from Hopsteiner at CBC. We've got this beer recipe we always fool around with, which is the bigger boat. And the idea was if we took the lemony bitter hop and the lemony bitter coffee and put them together and used a little sriracha ace to stitch them together. So this is our anniversary beer, which we put out about three weeks ago and thought you guys would like it since we're talking about hoppy beers. How did you do the beans? Uh, We did a double, you know, a double cold decoction and then added that into the nice. to the beer at the end. Nice. It's really nice. Yeah, it's really good. Thanks. I like it a lot. Aaron, when you were tasting, well, first for this article, did you just taste the beers? The people send you beers or, or did, was it from your experience the, traveling? The Topper article? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about writing about beer is you're kind of just writing about your lifestyle. You know, I'm, I'm too lazy of journalists to actually go pound the pavement and find <laughs> stories, so I just live my life and stories are generated. Uh, so I, I think I'd tried probably, I think, eight of the ten before, and I hadn't tried the, the second fiddle, so I sent him an email, and, you know, usually people are nice enough to send you beers. Uh, we so. have we have the greatest second fiddle connection in that our mobile canner is their mobile canner. Oh, that's right, yeah. So we get this secret ferry of a couple four-packs back and forth. It's Where's great. second fiddle? They're up in Vermont. Vermont, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Shelburne. Shelburne. Well, on that note, tell me this. If it, whether you're going to tell me, Augie or Dave, because you're a beer genius... These beers we're talking about, your your 077XX, Heady Topper, you know, War Elephant, are they all made the same way? Do, do, is there like a secret recipe, or, or do you think each of these are unique beers? I, I, my opinion as a guy who makes one is you shouldn't try to make one of these unless you love it. And I believe all the guys we're talking about in this story do. And then you just got to make the one that makes you happy. None of nobody in this story started pre Pliny or any of those other ones we're talking about. Right? So everybody has an idea what the beer is and how you would make it for you to drink. If you truly love those beers in the first place, you're going to make one of these later. And I've, I've actually had some email correspondence with um, with with Alchemist with Kimmick and. He said the nicest things about my beers, and I obviously love his, and it wasn't anything other than, I see what you did there, and I get it. And if you're trying to make something because people are buying these right now, I think that's why there's 800 nobody talks about. But if you're trying to make these because these are the beers you drink when you walk into the Blind Tiger, you can get it right if you're willing to spend the time. Yeah, I think people take it as almost like a, brewers take it as a challenge, like, oh, that's the way he did it, you know, but this is the way I would do it. Um, making that beer and, and it is they're totally brewing for themselves for their own palate and uh, I think that's why they're always they're always different you know I mean I, I think brewers you could do you could take John's recipe 
Oh, it would and never it work would, down by us. And it, well, it just wouldn't be the same anyway. Yeah. You no, know, but even, it would like, come out different. Like even our water. That's what I mean. It yeah. would just be different. So uh, I think that's what's so great about it. That's an awesome. That's an awesome introduction. We're taking a short break. We'll be back live with Sean Lawson from Lawson's Finest on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey. you like good beer whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an ipa greatbrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet greatbrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products with so much information and misinformation out there greatbrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned take the great beer test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here in the back of Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You might hear some of the customers outside the window talking. It's like we're having a radio show. They're dining, and it's it's, it it's like all good. They're having a good time too. Good. So a lot of times we stay and have dinner. Uh, some things that we've liked are, of course, the pizzas. But we used to have like this dry aged steak for two years ago. There's a lot of good food out here, and we really respect this place and appreciate them for hosting HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right, so Dave Broderick's here down from Vermont. It's a special show. We got the Vermont show on. Uh, we're talking about what, what else besides Hetty Topper and Jersey drinking Carton Brewing's 077. But a special guest is on the on the on the phone right now, uh, Mr. Sean Lawson of Lawson's Finest. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. But I remember the last time I saw you, I used to see you every summer at, at the Cooperstown. At Belgium comes to Cooperstown, and uh, you guys have, have like kind of boycotted it. The cool Vermont guys stopped going. What's going on with you? Oh, man, it's just a long haul, and there's so many events and festivals over the summer. We uh, There's no boycott at all. Just uh, found the last few years uh, we couldn't quite fit it into the summer schedule with the uh, long drive out to Cooperstown. But uh, certainly that's a fun event, and we missed you there. I, th- I thought it was because we got too old. <laughs> <laughs> We're too busy. Not yet. <laughs> One time we did a live show at, at, at Oma Gang in Cooperstown, and when you were on, you had the entire hall filled with your, your fans. And I remember I would just like say Sean Lawson, and everybody cheered. So is, is that what it's like for you? It was my birthday, too. <laughs> so the big, we're talking about things like how people make Hetty Topper and, and other of these big IPAs. You know, what's your take on it? You know, what, what are the beers that you're making uh, that, that people go nuts for? Um, well, I would say the Double Sunshine is the beer that uh, people will do backflips for. That's uh, that's probably our most popular IPA uh, that we make uh, here at Lawson's, and definitely the one that sells out the fastest. Um, so people really love their hops, and at the same time, they like a you know a well put together beer that's uh, you know not only you know saturated with a lot of good lupulins, but 
uh, has has balance to it too, and it's drinkable. That's great. I mean, you know Dave Broderick pretty well, so I'm gonna let Dave talk to you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, hey, I'm in the I'm in the brew house. Uh, got a, like a second shift going today. I'm uh, I'm in the midst of a brew. What are you making? So if you hear some clanking and banging in the back. Uh-oh. Oh, so what are you making today? Uh, right now I'm making a brand new beer uh, called hops a And it's a uh, American IPA, <laughs> around 7% that features uh, eight different hops. Wow. And when's that going to come? Are you going to just bottle that? That's that going uh, to be out in bottle and draft uh, for the weekend of September 20th, which oh, is when our it. next uh, farmer's market is in Waitsfield. And we're also that day sponsoring a great event up at mad river Glen at the ski area uh called g15 and it's the 15th anniversary of a local band called called the grift and we love those guys and uh they asked us to come up with a new beer um for their 15th anniversary uh so our answer was hops a lot nice now did you um were you at the hop jam um labor day weekend i was not at the hop jam but i heard a lot of good things about the event so can you tell these guys um, what it was? It's a brand new festival, and um, and can you tell them a little like who was there and uh, which breweries were there and and kind of what it was all about? Um, well, it was uh, this happened over the uh, the Labor Day weekend, and it was a day long uh, into the evening festival uh, with I don't know the exact count, but a bunch of different breweries from up around Vermont and beyond and. Uh, Megan, the uh, the event coordinator, and the guys from uh, Three Penny and Joey from the Mad Taco uh, put together a fantastic lineup of uh, of beers, including some uh, from uh, out of state that we don't usually see up here in Vermont. Uh, little breweries like uh, Trillium and High Horse and Treehouse Treehouse Brewing from down in Massachusetts. Yeah, and and, and, um, and you were there, and and, and um, the Alchemist and Hill Farmstead too, right? So it was like a pretty much an all star lineup. It was a great lineup of beer, and my understanding was that there was uh, a number of different musical acts. The headliner and the, at night was was great. So it was a combination music and beer festival that happened up at uh, Bolton Valley, and and uh, hopefully a brand new annual event here in Vermont. Dave, is that the festival that you were telling me about this summer? No, I mean it's brand new, and in when we we did a, an event down at Treehouse, and that's when I first actually heard about it um, in June. Um, it was actually an event with Sean. Um, he did a collaboration with Treehouse. You want to pronounce that beer that you made with them, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> that was the. So I can't do that. I mean, only Sean can do that. And uh, you want to tell them the story about how, how do you it came again, up with Sean, that Do it again. Well, we were. Uh, I met the guys from Treehouse. Uh, Nate and Dean and the crew from uh, Treehouse Brewing uh, a year a year ago at the American Craft Beer Fest that Beer Advocate puts on down in Boston uh, the last weekend in May. And so after the Friday night session, uh, Harpoon is kind enough to uh, open up their, uh, their big beer hall tasting room for an industry session um, for the staff and the brewers and the folks that attend. Uh, uh, for breweries that are that are staffing the booths, and so we went over, and you know it's getting getting kind of late, and you're exhausted at that point, anyways. And 
we all saddled up with some pints of beer and sat down at these long tables. It's a little reminiscent of uh, of Oktoberfest. And so the guys at Treehouse came over and sat down next to us, and we introduced each other. And the next thing you know, we're we're clanking glasses and uh, getting in the spirit of Oktoberfest, going, "Yeah, Prost!" And uh, so we decided to uh, try to capture that spirit in a beer, and uh, we decided to call it Yarg. And um, there is a follow-up in the works. Shh. <laughs> I right, won't tell anybody. Sean, just, okay, stepping back. So the Waitsfield Farmer's Market. Now tell us about that and, and, and what you can do in Vermont in terms of selling your beer, sampling your beer, and all that. Uh, well, Vermont, we're you know we're in a different situation than a lot of breweries that try to draw people to the brewery for sampling and retail sales because we have such a small brewery and it's located up uh, by our house in a residential area, so we're not zoned, um, and we're just we didn't even have the space to do uh, retail or tours at the brewery. So the brewery location is not open to the public. So one way that we uh, try to get out in addition to the events and festivals to meet and greet, but also to do some retail sales and um, occasionally some sampling, depending on how busy it is, is to go uh, to the farmer's market um, here in Waitsfield once a month during the uh, outdoor season from May to October. And Vermont is one of those states that allows uh, you to obtain a farmer's market liquor license if you're you know, a, brewer, a, a brewery, uh, a distillery or a winery, and you can come to the market and uh, you know offer samples and sell your wares. So it's a great way for us to be able to get some face time with our customers and um, you know offer sales directly to them. Plus, we we set aside some beers for a couple of weeks so that we can offer a selection. Typically, we we have such a small production, we typically only have one variety of beer, occasionally two that are out on any given week. And uh, for the farmer's market, we typically have four or six different varieties because we'll stock up for a few weeks ahead of the market and, uh, and do our special releases of uh, barrel-aged or one-off or once-a-year type beers at the farmer's market. And uh, they've really become super popular. It's hard to believe how far away people will travel to the farmer's market uh, to buy some beer. Didn't you have you know, to um, establish like a whole set the way you even – carry the thing off logistically didn't you know because it was yeah, kind of I mean, overwhelming it used to be, the market. just show up and get in line and buy your beer and over the years uh it just got so popular and the line got so long that we we had to come up with a better system of managing uh the crowd so they weren't you know sort of blocking access to the other vendors or you know so that's also more customer friendly for the folks that come up so what we do is we start early in the morning handing out number tickets sort of like a deli system you know it's just the the number that you get is what the order what place in line that you have and we on the ticket that corresponds with sort of a schedule we have a pretty decent idea of how fast uh you know we move people through the line so you get a number you get an approximate time to come back to the booth and you get the list of beers that are for sale for the day and it's a really it's a great system but uh it's gotten it's gotten pretty crazy you know people will be showing up they'll be lining up to get their number tickets sometimes at five in the morning uh for the 9 a.m start of the farmer's market so um and we hand out the tickets you know maybe seven or eight o'clock depending on the market and and the date and uh it's just amazing how uh, you know how enthusiastic uh, or crazy people, some people are about about getting their beer. 
That's that's awesome, Sean. Um, Augie's going to ask you a question because I know I know you are also making yeah. beer in Connecticut now. Well, actually, yeah. it's just so I'm sure you know because you were everywhere I've been now. But typically, that whole idea doesn't sit well with me, except when people I trust to make great beer decide to do it. I know you and Tommy Keegan and a couple of guys who I really respect are liking two roads, and I just you know these guys were wondering what that's like, and I thought I'd ask about it. You like yeah, those well, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was a really tough decision uh, to decide to go that way. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, Two Roads, the fact that those guys opened up down there um, with, you know, a state-of-the-art facility, all brand-new equipment, um, a lot of expertise, and a fantastic brewmaster in uh, Phil Markowski, um, they're really, you know, Two Roads opening up opened the door for me to even consider doing uh, beer at another facility because other than that looking around there you know there really aren't any other places that are within striking distance for me to drive in a day where I could go and work with them to make beer on the type of recipes that I'm that I'm making and the sort of the inefficiencies uh, with a really huge hot bill um, so those guys are just they, they really know what they're doing and it's not about uh, you know, it's not about quantity or just putting out a product. Um, their goal is to really sort of match the, you know, the, the top end of, of quality that they're putting out, and that's that matches up very well with the type of beers that we're trying to make. And you know, the whole project with Two Roads, this contract brew that we're doing down there, uh, the Sip of Sunshine IPA, um, it's inspired by by our most popular, the Double Sunshine. And I go down there once a month, and I brew up a 100-barrel batch with them. And, uh, you know, having I, I told them up front that, you know, unless we can make the beer so that it really meets the sort of the expectations that I have and that our customers have of where the quality, what the flavor of the beer should be like to have the Lawson's name on it, then, you know, there, there's... We don't. We're not going to go ahead with the project. You yeah. know, we'll give it a we'll give it a couple of test batches, and and the whole project was predicated on the beer coming out the way that we want it to. Well, it's and it did right from right. the very beginning. Even the it's test batch, working. which was which was a half batch, it worked. And um, they're they're putting out great quality. Um, they're willing to do an unfiltered beer. Um, so it's you know it's a different it's a very different model than the sort of the older um, contract brewing facilities that are around in the northeast very very different business yeah model. i think i think they're changing yeah. the whole perception of contract that, brewing, that's kind of roads. what i'm asking right like prior yeah. prior to like i said i've heard great stories about these guys and guys i very much respect like sean and tommy are there and i haven't made it yet because you know how busy it is you could you know doing the business oh, yeah. but but i just i like hearing good things about it because i think it's a little hopeful Exactly. Hopefully there'll be more. Well, somebody's trying, but they're all all old AB guys, so I don't know if I trust them. Yeah. I, think, I think I would still Let's, be two roads of Aaron, do you have a question for Sean Lawson? <laughs> no, I don't. I just, uh, actually, two of my favorite low ABV beers are Sip of Sunshine and Boat Beer. Uh, I think hey. Sip of Sunshine's like 3.5%, is that correct? Super Session. Is that right? That's one. No, the the sip of sunshine is a uh, is a, is pushing double IPA territory. That one's eight, but uh, but we have uh, we have a oh. lot of, of alliterative names. You get there. We have a lot of S's <laughs> in our names. Super session, sip of sunshine. 
What was the one? Somebody, somebody brought me one on Sunday that was a. It was identified as a number three, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name, but I drank one of your beers. Oh, on that's Sunday. the super. The super session is uh, is a new session beer that we've been doing. Uh, it's right around four percent alcohol, right on, four point two. And I've been doing a series of uh, single hop versions of that beer, um, which is I've always wanted to do a line of uh, single hop IPAs, and fig- and just found that I. You know, just landed on the session IPA is finally having the uh, sort of the room and the lineup and and uh, what's the, hop and the number three to do it with the with the warm weather. So the number did you say you had the number three? I believe I had three on Sunday. Yeah, the three was the Sriracha Ace. So right I did Citra, uh, Amarillo, Sriracha Ace. So the one the Sriracha Ace, the number three would have been very uh, you, you know kind of uh, lemony or or uh, I, you know, I, I totally buy the dill pickle flavor. I get a lot of dill-like notes out of that. And to me, I don't. I haven't heard a lot of people describe sriracha ace as woody, but I get a real earthy sort of woody character out of the uh, sriracha ace. Right on, bro. Thank you. Hey, Sean. You yeah. know what? Can you stay on the line with us a little bit? I know you're. I know you're making beer over there. Yeah, absolutely. Will you stay with us. Okay. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey. Hey, my name's Edward Lee, and I'm the chef at 610 Magnolia in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. So uh, Aaron Goldfarb's here, and uh, he, he, he was talking about a time he went up to Lawson's Finest. Tell us about that, Aaron. Yeah, that was, that was my bachelor party. I you know, said, forget about Vegas or Miami or the Caribbean. Let's go to Vermont and drink some beers. And we rented a big house in Stowe, uh, which is still a great value. And uh, that just so happened to be Hill Farmstead's fourth anniversary weekend. And... Uh, the Alchemist released beers, and Triple Sunshine was released at I think five a.m. So, so Sean, what is it? It's like it's like everybody wants to go to Vermont and 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 try the, the beers like yours. I mean, why? It's a bad question. Tasty, it's a tasty. Yeah, it's a beautiful place to visit. It's got that going for it for sure. But we've definitely seen beer tourism as its own. Uh, draw, you know, the people people love beer, and and I think it doesn't hurt that you have a beautiful place to come and visit. I'm, I'm just jealous because uh, because I haven't been. But a lot there. of people just plan their plan their whole trip around, you know, getting beers uh, that they can't get uh, elsewhere, and they come up to Vermont, uh, and it's been really good for uh, for our economy up here for sure. 
So, Sean, you've described to me um, uh, not too long ago uh, what it's like to brew at Two Roads and how you do it a little differently um, than probably other, just because you do so much dry hopping and and uh, when you're doing a 100-barrel batch, like, what that means. Um, can you, like, sort of talk us through um, how that works? Well, the you know, the brewing process there is so different than than what I uh, am doing in Vermont because my system in Vermont is only seven barrels and it's all completely manual. You know, there's every, I don't even have rakes in my mash ton, which means that I get in there with a hoe and stir up the grain in the mash by hand. Um, whereas, you know, you don't have to get much bigger than seven barrels. Most ten barrels have, a, have rakes in there. So everything I do by hand, um, it's a lot of hoes changeovers and when you go down to two roads their whole system is automated so the brewing process um you know aside from you know lining up your ingredients on the front end um once you load them in the, the process itself is uh is all con- controlled at at a you know a big bank of screens in a control room um so it's very different that way uh but one of the neat things about the beer i'm making it does have such a a big hop charge that it's too many hops to load into the canisters um, that would automatically dose the beer at the specific time that you want during the brewing process. So we get to go up the old-fashioned way up to the deck and uh, open up the manway at the top of the kettle and dump a whole load of hops in at the at the end of the beer and uh, you know when the time is right. And uh, you know we've been trying a few different uh, techniques to. Um, to get a better a better yield because I do use so many hops uh, in that beer that uh, it really impacts how much finished beer you get on the end and so we've been that's been the neat part is they're willing to give me the reins and say well this is how I want to do it and they're willing to work with me even if it means you know the yield is a lot less than you might get if if that was your goal to to make the most beer rather than um, you know sort of aiming for just the right flavor that you want to get out of it but. Um, it's been interesting working on their system. You know, a lot of the other parts are, you know, transferring the beer and dry hopping the beer are not too dissimilar, although they're on a different scale. Um, but it's been it's been really great working with them. They clearly have a have a top notch uh, team down there of people that that know what they're up to. Yeah, and, and didn't I think you told me that um, it's a hundred barrel system, but you only get about seventy five barrels. Because you yeah, use so many start, hops. We, you know, I've been working on that, and I've tried a few different things. And and at the very the very start, that was about that was about all I got out of it was 75 barrels. So just even changing the timing of when I added the hops at the end of the brew um, made a big difference. And we made a couple of other minor tweaks, not really to the recipe, but just in the timing and the process of of how we whirlpool the beer and letting it rest longer at the end. Which again. Resting longer means you're taking up time and space that kind of goes against trying to put, put out as much beer as you can. It costs money to, to if the beer takes longer to make. Um, but, again, they're willing to work with me on that and putting a longer rest on it, adding the hops at a slightly different time. Um, you know, we were able to bump that up from, you know, 75 to, to better than 90, um, just over 90 barrels for the finished beer, whereas, you know, a lower alcohol, not so heavily hop beer you should be able to get uh you know better than 100 barrels finished out of the batch but um (laughs) so it's been it's been interesting for me working on that scale but the fun part was that just having done a few collaborations 
um, you know, I came up with the recipe for a hundred barrel system, and uh, right out of the gate, uh, it was pretty darn close to the marks, uh, both flavor-wise and what the lab said, uh, you know, for color and IBUs and alcohol that uh, my targets were. So that part was really satisfying. So I had someone say today uh, when I was at the Tiger um, earlier today that um, they were saying, oh, the only time I ever get to drink um, Lawson's Finest is, is through collaborations um, when you do make larger batches. Um, right. I think Double Dose obviously was one with Otter Creek. And and um, so what other collaborations do you have online? I know you've got a lot of things going on. Uh, what else are you uh, have well, you got upcoming? Well, uh funny you should mention the double dose because that's another, we're doing that beer again with Otter Creek Brewing out of Middlebury and that is going to be out um, in uh, a week from Saturday September 20th also um, so that's one that will be going out all over the northeast it's pretty limited quantity you know it's 200 barrels for the whole run of double dose and we're trying to spread that all over the northeast so all the northeastern States will get it all the way down to uh, a little bit in Jersey, Pennsylvania, and even D.C. Jersey too. So right. that, it gets yeah. sunny no matter See, what. See, Augie's excited. <laughs> yeah. he, you know, Augie knows you're from you're a Jersey boy. So um, I'm not sure if everybody knows that you're not originally from Vermont. Nope, no, nope, I'm a Jersey boy, transplant to Vermont. Uh, although I like to claim my Vermont roots, I'm uh, I'm just as Jersey as the next guy from where I'm born, and uh, grew up by, right by the Jersey Shore. Where? <laughs> in uh, Monmouth County, Little Silver is where I where I grew up. Right on, man. We're, we're in Atlantic Islands. And uh, you guys so are brothers. All right, we're going to get some double dose down to High Monmouth five. County uh, <laughs> on this go round, and it'll be in New York City. So there won't be a, a lot of it to go around. But that's uh, that's the only other one we've got on deck, and you know, eventually. I hope to get the sip of sunshine out a little bit further than than Vermont. Right now we're bringing it all back up to Vermont because even with just a very few number of accounts, it just is our beer is selling so fast, even with the additional volume that I'm making down at Two Roads, it still isn't enough to uh, satisfy the demand, even without you know expanding Sean, our Sean, you know, you're, you're uh, kind area. of busting the category because it's like you're, you're a super like, microbrewer, and you're doing some special batches at other breweries. And Aaron uh, Goldfarb was here. He was writing about the next Hetty Topper. What do you think about that? I mean, people are. There's definitely no more categories, right? It's it's the craft beer scene is is changing. Well, I mean, that was one of the things. You know, I was saying it's whatever's near you and fresh is going to be a lot better than those those old bottles. You know. You know, it infuriates me if someone has an old bottle of Lawson's Finest or Hill Farmstead and they say it's it's not good. Well, maybe you shouldn't have traded for an old bottle and just gone to drink your local That happened beer. to me. A, a, a mutual friend of ours who works for both Jimmy's Number 43 and the Blind Tiger, I will not, I will not mention Let's his not name. Let's not name his name, Yes, Luke. Luke. <laughs> but he walked in one day and said, hey, I just bought a case of, of Hetty Topper. And, and I, I, I swear to God, I'm like, I, my first thought was, who'd you buy it off of? Because it was that same scenario. Right. He was so excited to get it, but it's like, well, you know, we could have got it better. Wholesale. He, he actually not... came to Vermont. So, oh, he did really? Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> I actually good, saw him in the state. It's a good story. <laughs> it was a little scary actually to turn around and see yeah. Luke. And I do love Double Dose. I drank a, a case of it last time, and I'll probably drink a case of it this. But time. you do you do care about like the, the bigger issue of you know, it's freshness. What are the big things? Freshness, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not one of those weirdos who thinks a Tyndale beer is something worth drain pouring. But having said that, there, there's so much good stuff near you to fetishize stuff that's not near you seems silly. You'll you'll get to these places eventually. You don't need to... I feel that way 100%. That's why I really like your article. And I'm glad that Ju- Justin pointed that out for the show tonight. I mean, it really is, what's the next Hattie Topper? It's kind of like, what is your favorite fresh local beer? A lot of people have been talking about that lately. And it's great that we're at a point where we can actually say, in all these communities, there's great fresh local beer. And I, and I think that, actually, there's still a lot of um, spots, areas, that don't have a great local... There's still room for more small breweries, I think. Um, I know, like, we've had incredible growth. But um, a lot of the... There, there's still a lot of spots that... Um, I know in our area, we don't really have... Uh, ben Hill just opened up in the Upper Valley, which is a, a part of Vermont that I'm in. Um, and they're very small. But we really don't have a great small brewery where I am. We've got 100,000 people. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it, and so... But you're right. So, so, you know, we're in Jersey, and we've had a quick growth percentage-wise, but not reality-wise, right? Densest, densest populated state in the nation. And we went from 13 to 33. So everybody thinks that's, you know, 300% very exciting. But it's not because that's barely for every couple million people, right? And I like to make the joke that New Jersey is a place that will support two different pizza places at opposite ends of the same strip mall as long as they're both making pizza. Why would 33 be so many breweries? Like, we, we should have about... Like, the city of Portland has more breweries than the state of New Jersey. That's yeah. more posture. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I wrote about New Jersey beer, and Augie's followers, <laughs> nearly, Augie's followers nearly killed me. That's what, what did you say, Aaron? Well, so I, I'd always... It's not w- what Aaron said. It's what Aaron's editors <laughs> You know, I'd always wondered, you know, New York City and New York State are two of the greatest beer places. Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, two of the greatest beer places. And then in between them sat a state. The first or second richest state, one of the most dense states. And just three years ago, they had 13 breweries, most of them not that great. And then Carton and Kane popped up that are as good as any brewery in the country, in my opinion. Thank you. But still, there's he's right. There's 33 breweries, and that's ridiculous. It's, it's one of the most powerful states in the union. They could easily support 100 great breweries, maybe even more. But we're getting there. They, we just had, we just had a, a little what you guys would call nano um, in Bel in I'm going to call it Belford, but that's their name. It's actually in Monmouth Junction. But um, they're just little guys with a big system in a room you can go drink it at, and you can grab a growler and take it home. And that's their whole business model. And we've had a, a law change since we opened. Like when we opened, you had to open our way. But now you can open that way. And that is opening the door to a bunch of guys trying to do a bunch of cool things. And see if they can get investment yeah. and maybe well, grow a little maybe, bit. Or maybe and maybe not. they go to two roads or maybe they go somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but either way, you've got, you know, you've got them making flavors that we can all discuss. Right. And that is what it should all be about, right? If you've got 50 guys to compare, you've got something working. That is awesome. And we're, talk, we should, we're going to do another Jersey show soon because – we're going to talk about no, different rules. Needs to come to Jersey. We know Jersey has the weirdest liquor, liquor licenses in the world. So tough. Go to you Vermont. You can't even open a bar in New Jersey. But that's Don't come to Jersey. we go got Sean Lawson on the phone. And, Sean, one last question. Go. Just tell me a, 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 a crazy or typical thing that happened to you today in the brewery for our listeners. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to know, be today. Unfortunately, nothing crazy has happened <laughs> to me in the, uh, in the brewery today. 
Uh, but very typically, I'm cleaning out my fermenter and I'm attaching hoses and I'm trying to move a little too fast and I stand up and go wham bam and hit my head on the open manway and uh, clock the back of my head. You know, when you're when you're tall, you hit your head on a lot of things. I, I know that when you're brewing, and you're, <laughs> I, I've been in your brewery, and when you're brewing your brewery, I can't even go inside at the same time. Only one person. So small can be in that brewery because you've got your equipment like there's a, a quarter inch in between every tank and uh how many square feet is the is your brewery not including the um the cooler 200 280 square feet it, it's like it's so efficient it's incredible it's like a it's like a one-man <laughs> you don't have to move it's like an airbnb room or something it's like yeah. one of my old apartments it's, and it's, all of a sudden, uh, I feel a little more special. For uh, you can't, you can't, you can't really fit another employee in here without uh, another no, person in here working without bumping into each other. When you and Steve are bottling, when you bring Steve in to help you or, uh, or whoever does help you, it's like then yeah. it really gets crowded. Yeah, because I've got the bottle filler typically pushed right up against the wall, but when uh, it's just a forehead t- uh, tabletop filler on on uh, on a stainless table with wheels, and so I wheel it out away from the wall and bring it out a little bit so that we can work on it. And uh, yeah, when the when the bottle filler is set up and tilted out into the room, and we've got another table set up for putting the bottles onto, man, is it tight? <laughs> You know what? This is the show we need to go two hours instead of one hour, but let's just wrap it up. Dave, just tell us, everyone go around the room, say one short statement about what Vermont craft beer means to you, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Vermont beer means to me, I mean, it has just an incredible sense of place. And, uh, you know, it really, um, I don't know, there's so many people up there that are really going to their own drum. in really sort of creating a, um, even though they're doing their own individual thing, it's creating this sort of overall Vermont ethos for beer, I think. And Aaron? I, I love Vermont beer. I, I love Vermont. I'm, I'm a typical New Yorker who doesn't drive. I don't have a car. There's no easy way to get there, but I still figure out a way to get up there once a year and drink everything in sight and bring everything I can back home. That's how much I love it up there. At the top of the show, I mentioned the Don't Jersey Vermont bumper sticker and that says to me it's pretty local to us so it's good for me and Sean just go wrap it up what what does Vermont beer mean to you Uh, it means uh, quality and uh, that's really what Vermont uh, not only in the the beer front but uh, a lot of good like consumables like the food and the cheese and the wine but Vermont beer is is all about the quality and uh, and enjoyment of it and, and People love their beer here in Vermont, and uh, people love to come to Vermont uh, to drink their beer too. So it's uh, it's a, I feel very fortunate to to be here at the time that we are. You're a great man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. We're going to wrap yeah, up the show. Night, uh, coming up Thanks for, for events, uh, our great buddy Kelly Taylor, who's president now of the New York City Brewers Guild, which puts on the New York City Beer Week. They're hosting an event on September 20th, Blocktoberfest. And the, the New York City Brewers Guild has really grown. There's, there's, there's a lot more members now. All the great new small breweries that we talk about in New York City, from Bridge and Tunnel to Other Half and Kelso, they're all going to be there. It's going to be a great event, September 20th, uh, New York City Brewers Guild, Blocktoberfest. And in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. 
Thanks to Dave, Augie, Augie, Aaron, and Sean. Aaron, Augie, Augie, Aaron. And uh, thanks for joining me on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and engineer Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>